Welcome everyone to the Lighter Mind Podcast. In the Lighter Mind, we explore spirituality, personal growth, trauma, recovery, and the path to wholeness. The Lighter Mind Podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any forms of mental illness. We are not licensed therapists unless otherwise noted, and these are experiential conversations. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 6.1 of the Lighter Mind podcast, where we're going to be uh, talking about a little bit of feedback from my story on episode 6. And uh, I'm going to pop this over to Crow because I know he wanted to lead this off. Absolutely, I do. Uh, because now we're, we're on the point of solution. And solution is what I really, really, uh, I really liked everything that you had in there. And it was a big chunk of your story, which was cool because there was so many different things that you were sharing with us that you learned. And you've been through so many good therapists and, and a number of them I got over the years an opportunity to work with and meet. Mm-hmm. And I know they're good, and they're just awesome people. And uh, one of the the things you talked about right off the gate, and that right out of the out of the gate here, we talk about medication and trauma, and and um, you emphasized medication in a very important context. Like if it's medication, you can't just go cold turkey and just. Tell a doctor, nope, I'm going this holistic route completely 100%. Uh, you can, you need medication. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and the other one was trauma. And not to underestimate, I think you use the word, not to underestimate your trauma. Mm-hmm. And everybody has it. And because our addiction is the symptom again, again, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, and again, I'm going to go back to this, this cultural upbringing that we have. And here's the problem with our culture at large is that we, we suffer, um, cause blindness. You know, we're looking at symptoms all the time. I want to be rich. So I just want to drive that car. I want to wear that suit. I, I don't even think about the endless hours of work and all the, you know, all the other things. I just want the results. So we're focused on that, and it leads to a real Band-Aid approach to finding any real solutions in one's life or in the, in the, the world at large, any, anything, you know. Um, and uh, there's sort of a training on that that, that you were a part of, you, that you, we all are and that you did not know. I thought that was... Uh, you know, that's something that's been coming up with me lately in, in, uh, um, my, it certainly was right out of the gate for me. I, I stumbled across that with myself and I see that with the clients that I work with. Um, so that was one. The other one is right off the bat. You said, listen, <laughs> listening and then everything else from there on out, you alluded to, which was we've talked about in previous prod- podcasts, responsibility, capital mm-hmm. R, and you took it, mm-hmm. and you took it, you know, 
on you started learning the tools, the skills, you know, like the wrongful thinking. And I like what you said about that playing. Where did you learn that? Playing the tape through. Oh, I learned that. I learned that in the IOP that I went to uh, that was attached to the sober living that I was going to. Our ther- our, the therapist that we were going to had like 30 years of sobriety. He was a master level clinician, very, very intelligent person. And he, he had us run through um, exercises on like what playing the tape through would go. You know, he had us like write down. You know, he was like, imagine you went out to the street right now and someone offered you a drug, like write down exactly what that would, what, you know, what would it go from like picking up the drug to what would the end result would be or the end result be. And so I had to like literally like write it out. And that's, that's in my first year of sobriety, that was something like that on top of remembering my, the emotional pain that I had on my bottom. Yep. Were the two things that like truly kept me away from drugs because I know I knew that like by playing the tape out, I was like, my life is going to be fucked if I take drugs right now. Right. And I had to remind myself that as opposed to like what I typically like to do is I like to remember the glory days. I I like to remember um, all the good times that I had getting high and all the good time, all the crazy parties that I went to. But our mind has a very finicky way of kind of dancing around the problem. Mm-hmm. And when we're reminiscing about the good old days and we're living in nostalgia, we kind of gloss over all of the terrible things that happened. Because realistically, my, my addiction was 30% fun, 70% depression, anxiety, and horror. And, and horror and stuff like that. And I had to force myself to remember that 70% of my life that was horrible. Yeah. Now, Kyle, you're familiar. I know you are. I don't know about how many of our listeners are familiar with the, what what's called the stages of change. Why, why don't you why don't you lay them out if you if you pre-contemplation. know pre-contemplation. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not quite sure. You're you're kind of thinking about it. You know it's wrong, but you're not quite committed to it. Then there's contemplation. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's preparation and then there's, yes, I'm, I'm ready. And then there's action. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, the, the last one being, um, maintenance. Mm -hmm. So I'm pretty sure I got all those right. (laughs) It'd be horrible if I didn't, Kyle. But anyway, (laughs) if we're not positive where we are, then there's, you're, you're left in a little state of ambivalence. I don't know if I even want to jump into the wheel. I don't even know if I really, well, I don't belong in a recovery center. I'm just here because, you know, or this recovery process, I don't even know that I want to, you know, go down this road. I'm just doing it because everybody says it's a really looks ugly on me. Um, but when you hit that, that's that, that, that sort of training that you had in IOP, Mm -hmm. that's not something when I when I hear what you're saying, it's not something for the ambivalent stage. That is something for you are done. Mm-hmm. You are done, and you are a commitment now, and you are action and commitment to this thing. Mm-hmm. And you know what it looks like when you turn around and look back. Oh yeah, and it's hell. It's absolute utter hell. So 
I don't know how yet um, to, to do this, but I know that there's no way of going back. Yeah. There just is no way. Yeah. And that, so when you're talking about all those training and all those, those tools that you picked up, that is at that stage when you're done mm-hmm. flat out. Yeah. And I, I really, I really like that. And then your, um, your holistic approach to this recovery. I mean, it sounds like, God dang it, dude, you're, you're training like an Olympian athlete, <laughs> you know? I mean, body, mind, and soul. This was not just a bunch of brainiac work you were going after answers on. This was something you changed physiologically, you, anatomically. You changed your body. You changed everything about you in order to facilitate um, a right mind, you yeah. know? So I, I really like that. Yeah, I think that I think that I had truly when it, when I had first gotten sober, I was I I was so I think I was so afraid of going back and I was afraid of drugs. Yes. And I was afraid of like my I was afraid of dying and all these things. And so I had this beautiful gift of desperation. And that that desperation really, really pushed me to learn as many things from as many walks of life as I, it, 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 that desperation helped me be more open-minded. And so, you know, I used to be very against like yoga and prayer and meditation and all that stuff. But I realized like when I got sober, just through the whole process that like, I obviously was doing something wrong. And so it, I had that that like moment of epiphany where I was like, well, maybe there's a whole bunch of other things that are right if I'm doing it wrong. And so I just wanted to explore every way that I could. And that just so happened to be mind, body and spirit. Yeah, I I love it. I love it because that is the true path. Mm-hmm. That is the true path I well, talked about. It's really hard in the modern world because so many people are, you know, I think there's an awakening of some level. But so many people are like opposed to that. Like, oh, mm-hmm. God, you're so weak. You know, it's science. Science is the answer. There is no God. You know, you know. So they, you're like growing up, like, nah, yeah, no, there's no God. I'm an atheist. There's no soul. You just die. So you get mm-hmm. this whole like void, right? We've talked about the void and the blackness. So you like, okay, well, I got this big void in me. So what do I do? Well, drugs and alcohol, that works pretty good. That Promiscuous sex. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. and then, you know, as I've gotten older, and I'm still, we've talked about this, I'm a seeker. I don't know, you know. None yeah. of us really know. Yeah, but exactly. Right. Since you... I, like, have let, let go, and it, and it goes to that Maston Kip thing where you have to write, like, all right, I'm going to let go of the steering wheel, and whatever you are, God... You know, Zoroaster, yep. yep. whatever, matter. you know, Doesn't universe, matter. you're going to take it because mm-hmm. what I, the way I've been driving sucks. So why don't you take the steering wheel? So right. to me, I mean, I got this kind of the same experience, like learning the weight loss, the working out, which I suck at anymore, but I'll get <laughs> back okay. on it. Um, <laughs> you know, the uh, meditation, mm-hmm. the, yep. you know, breath yep. work is my new one, so I don't meditate nearly as much, but you know, the breath work. So 
Um, yeah, I think that, that, that there's that void that we're trying to fill, and it would, the modern society again, you know, right? Like, like so many people are like, oh, it's such a sign of weakness that you believe in a higher power. Well, I right? often yeah. I often say this to folks um, in my groups that if you don't write your script, your script will be written for you. So if you're not, and I love this point, Kyle, that you said stay curious. Mm -hmm. And curiosity is not something, not familiar territory for us uh, in addiction recovery. We have to somehow come to a place where we reclaim our curiosity, capital Mm -hmm. capital C, Mm -hmm. on that. Because if we don't, we're going to stay bound by only that that we know. And that that I knew didn't work. Yeah. So we're gonna have to go beyond and and boy, I tell you, in my early recovery, it was I'll t- I'll explain that later down the road. But it was just YouTube. Mm-hmm. I lived on YouTube, television, news. It was out, and I still don't even watch that. But but I I stayed on YouTube, and one link kicked me to another. Kicked me to if you like that, then you're gonna like this this gal or this guy. And it was speech and, you know, but it was education. Mm-hmm. You need education. And yeah, and I think I did the same when I first uh, started changing. You know, I would do the like the daily motivation one where they've got like, mm. you know, Denzel yep. Washington, <laughs> yeah, like, sure. all these people like doing, saying these motivational things. And I would go in the shower and put on my phone and be like, yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, so you like get really excited by it, you know. And then, Which is awesome. Right. Which right. is mm-hmm. awesome. It, mm-hmm. It's like, man, those are great, those motivational speaker, speeches. And then you get to a point where you, it's, you're ready for the next level. Like, okay, how? Yeah. How do I do that? Action. Where's my, uh, where's, what's my action plan? Mm-hmm. I don't even know how. Yeah. So you, and speaking of that awake, Alan, you, Kyle, you refer to the two stages of, of, I want to go back to that, of the awakening. Mm-hmm. And you refer to the burning bush, and then the other one is through stages. Mm-hmm. So we have those two in spiritual practice are known as stages and state. Now, what you experienced was a state, a momentary state. I had many states myself mm-hmm. that I'll talk to you about later. But they weren't stages through, stages is what spiritual masters go through, and it takes years, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be stages of practice, commitment, Mm -hmm. dedication of all of these methods, all a culmination. And, I mean, that's monk stuff there. And you'll, you'll know when you get to those stages, I believe, by... You don't talk about it, really. You just can't. And you don't need to. States is what were enough for us we call a gift. Mm-hmm. We, we refer to them as the, that was a gift. Of universe, again, God, Mother Divide, whatever you want to say, cracking into your reality saying, it's time to go. And, yeah. and those are the burning bush moments and... It's enough. I, mm-hmm. It sounds like it was in your case. 
Yeah, I think it was because um, I because I think I had multiple experiences that were like that. Where like when I when I was in my rock bottom, you know, I had that moment where I was showing true humility about like the person that I had become and really tapping into like the level of selfishness that I, that I had, the dishonesty, the self-seeking, all that kind of stuff. And I had that, like, I had that turning point in my head within that same experience of like, let's do something about it. You know, it was mm-hmm. just like, it was, it was, you know, almost like something took over my body and was like, all right, well, let's, let's, let's get to work and let's do that. And then I had the same, the same kind of experience when I went through um, the, the step work that I ended up doing too, which is where I, I once again was brought, was kind of boiled down to that true sense of humility of who I am as a person and how I interact with the world and just how selfish I am as a person and had that moment of like, holy crap, like I can change the way that I, that I perceive the world. I can change the way that I interact with the world. It was just like this, just one of those experience where, I can only describe it as a spiritual experience. Yeah. Absolutely. You definitely. And it's it's where now I think within that experience, the best way I can describe it is now we're activating not just the brain on our shoulders. Mm-hmm. We're activating the gut brain that is the sulfur mm-hmm. of the three spiritual elements, uh, mercury, sulfur, and salt. But sulfur is the one that puts the fire in the lamp. It puts the fire in the belly and literally in our gut that says, "Uh uh-uh, I am done. And it comes from, sounds like in your case, a place of anger and, you know, inward fear in a good way, in a a motivating good way. And that's, that's what we need. Mm -hmm. We need to have that from all intrinsic. And then the other brain, of course, is the heart. You know, we, we, know that the heart sends more signals to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. So thus your, your step 12, the return, as Campbell says, giving it back. You, you've got to teach what you know and, and tell your, share your story like you did, Kyle. And in, 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 in a a way of helping others Mm -hmm. to, to hear it. And say, hey, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the way we act. Again, the way you acted in all these things and all throughout your life, I still look at it from that big picture of you weren't crazy, you weren't bad, <laughs> you just acted that way because that's what one does when they're yep. on that much meth brain. Yep. And yep. they haven't slept for four days. Yep. Well, you acted like a normal kid on meth. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not who you were. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would, you know, always say that, preface that to all the listeners and everybody else, man, it's not who you are. It doesn't define you. It does not define you. Mm-hmm. Nor does all the guilt and shame you're carrying. That's not you. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, 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 so you talked about the capital T and the mm-hmm. little T. Yeah. And are we going to have a guest on really drilling down on that hopefully someday soon too? Yeah, well I would think, I would guys? hope so. I would hope that we have a a clinician because once again, we are not licensed therapists and so I I can only speak from my experience with trauma from my own personal experience um and 
you know, my recommendation, you know, for dealing with trauma is go to see a therapist because that is what has worked for me. You know, that is not like a professional opinion telling you that you need to go deal with your childhood trauma and all that kind of stuff because that's not my place. I'm not licensed to talk about that. Um, but it would be nice to have a, um, at some point we will have a therapist on that can, that can really dive into, you know, what trauma actually is and how it it interacts with the body and the minds and, um, all that kind of stuff. But we'll, we'll get there at some point. Good. We will. I I really do hope so because Mm -hmm. I got a big note that you, you, you emphasize that two things, seek help and reach out, Mm -hmm. reach out because, it's okay when you're when you're in that early stage of um, I want to stop this. The average Joe just does not know how to a seek help um, and b like it's a sign of weakness because yeah, now I got to be vulnerable and then two two uh, you got to reach out because we have never been taught this in high school or junior high. Mm-hmm. So this is this is like asking somebody to teach me trigonometry at this point in Crow's life, you know. I don't have a clue. Yeah. So you got to reach yeah, out. Yeah, and it's tough to ask for help. I mean, you know, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm <laughs> suffering, you know, and 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 anyone listening that's suffering, reach out to anyone. Call if if you're having, especially like suicidal thoughts. Or ideations, definitely. You know, call, do not isolate. Call and you know the the more you you pull into your shell, the worse it's going to get. Mm-hmm. And it you'll look back, you know, however much time down the road that it takes for you to recover, and be like, "Wow, I'm glad I made that call," because we all go through these issues. Mm-hmm. There's a new dog yeah, in the we house. Got, we everyone, got puppies so. in here too. We got puppies, man. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'll so come cool. up in our gratitude. <laughs> yeah, so. it will. Yes. Um, so reach out and, and, you know, if you have family members that don't understand what you're going through or are just think it's a sign of weakness or whatever, reach mm-hmm. out to a friend. And if you don't have a friend that's there to talk to, just find someone. There's, that One of the beauties of the Internet is that you can just look on your phone and find a local place that can help you through it. And, mm-hmm. it, you know, people. there are people who care. And it, it's it, you might not think that that's the case, but there really are. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. So that's the, that's the one thing. I mean, for me, I suffered in silence for years. And there's another book up there on the shelf that I'm working on called I Don't Want to Talk About It. And I can't remember the author. We can look it up. But it's basically how, you know men and depression and not wanting to talk about their issues so you know men especially you know but anyone seek help if you need it and seek out of that support network and don't feel guilt or shame that you're having to do so yeah um, right yeah and that's... I, uh, so we have to always you know my my mo is i always have to bring in uh stoicism <laughs> Yes. So I'm going to bring that one in too. So this goes back to Kyle earlier talking about talking too much, which uh, we all do. And uh, actually the first time I heard this was from a friend of mine who's 
uh, salt of the earth Missouri corn farmer grandfather <laughs> told them the same thing. Yeah. So you don't have to be like some kind of book nerd to uh, get it. But Epictetus said we have two ears and one mouth so we can listen twice as much as we speak. Ooh. And this was 2,000 plus years ago. Yeah. And it's been carried down because, you know, 40 years ago my friend heard it from his grandfather living in the middle of Missouri um, growing corn and, you know, you know, it's That's funny. You, it's funny how all those salt of the earth old timers, those old farm boys, they inherently knew this as if it was just you know it's perennial knowledge. To well, it them. is knowledge, and those guys had purpose, right? Like, right. You get up early. You, you do like kids today. You know, don't have responsibilities, but these guys grew up and they had to get up at four in the a.m. and go get chick, go get some eggs from the chickens and then feed the cows and milk the cows mm, right. and then do all this crap and go to school all day and then come home and do more crap and go to bed. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have like all this time to be like, you know, fuck off and be like, I'm going to look at whatever titties on the internet or something <laughs> when you're 13 and get some kind of skewed idea about what sex and love is. Right. They had to actually work. And then they went, you know, now it's like, oh, my God, my life's been so hard. My Wi-Fi is down. I'm like, yeah, well, you're 19. And you know what my dad was doing when he was 19 or my stepdad? He was in a B-24 bombing the Nazis, <laughs> getting shot at. You know? You know? And, oh, yeah. oh, and here's, here's something else with those cultures, too, is they, they, were, they worked in nature. There was they were right. at nature's yeah. command. Well, you know, Thomas so, Jefferson always said you gotta get your hands in the dirt. Right. Mm-hmm. And and those, you know, farmers in those days, I mean, that's a big dose of that perennial sort of uh uh wisdom right. goes a real long way. Yeah. Uh because ultimately everything was out of their control. Right. And it was left to nature, whether it was going to be a drought, whether it was going to be um you know, feast or famine, yeah, tornadoes, and tornadoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, insects, uh, yeah. locust Lo- invasion, locusts. Yeah. Locusts. Locust. <laughs> Come on, back in the old times, they had such a thing, and and it was just. <laughs> they, I think they still exist. Do they, <laughs> Do they really? Yeah, there was a, a couple. Of I years thought ago, they eradicated a giant locust freaking thing that happened in Africa a few years ago. Oh my okay. god. Like half the country. Uh, you see, that's uh, you know we could look. At, I'll look it up while well, you guys talk about it. <laughs> well, that's that's the sort of thing I'm talking about, though. I mean, you get get my point. Yeah, they're at nature's mercy, and so mm-hmm. there's a much greater thing that you have to be stressing about. It holds ourselves yeah. accountable in a relationship to something much greater than ourselves, mm-hmm. and that's the problem with addiction: mm-hmm. is we don't have the association with something greater than ourself yeah and we don't we can't see it for the trees i mean we're you know for us for the trees we just cannot envision it um so those moments that you did have those were a gift a real gift of clarity yeah 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 so in 2019 through 22 they had the worst outbreak of locusts in 70 years in in the heart of africa okay that's um, so wild yeah, so they, you know, they basically come and just eat everything. Yes, so, they do. You know, and, and I hate to tell people here that are suffering because their Wi-Fi is down, but 
there's people starving in Africa. So if the locusts come and eat all the stuff off the trees that they're used to eating, then, you know, 18 of your 20 babies that you had to have hoping that 10 of them would survive are going to die. Right. So, yeah, yeah you Just are... perspective. It, perspective. <laughs> mm -hmm. And it really what it does is it gives you a sense of of perspective. And I think this is another thing I wanted to really touch on is it sounds like when you came to a place of making your amends, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't say you ran out and forgive everybody. I didn't say you forgave, you know, all those uh, that that were the, the sort of the ones that, as we could say, service up our trauma. Mm -hmm. We're not so in a hurry to go out and forgive right away, but we come to a place of understanding and our perspective shifts so that as we, and Alan, you have said this so many times, and, and we always say, everybody's doing the best they could. Now, what were their circumstances? Mm -hmm. What were the underlying causes, circumstances, and events that shaped their world mm -hmm. that that I never knew because I didn't see causes uh, then. And I only acted and reacted from my young mind uh, in terms of a symptom. Mm -hmm. I jumped off of a symptom. We're yeah. not taught to stop, sit, think, and process mm -hmm. critically of what is the other person going through and mm -hmm. what shaped them it's as almost as if every moment and event is immediate. Mm -hmm. It's like this is the end of the world right here and right now. Yeah. And it's in addiction recovery, what I, I found and what it sounds like you arrived at was this sense of stepping back mm -hmm. and getting the big picture. And I love that. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I, I wanted to touch on the amends a little bit too because it's, there, there's like a couple of steps that I had to come to within within that. And my program has taught me that like so, some people that we feel that have wronged us or that we have resentments towards, they, they, almost, they almost described it as like we're sick and so we almost have to assume that other people around us are sick or like that or other people are dealing with their own character defects, other people are dealing with their own perceptions, their own traumas and stuff. And so... The process of me going and like making amends, it was first like truly humbling myself and understanding where I had gone wrong. And most of the time I had done more in the situation than the other person had. Sure. And yeah. it was approaching these people, but they, you know, there's some people who that you, you'll go to in your life that, you know, they're not going to therapy, they're not working on themselves, they're they're not really making any progress towards their goal. And like, that's completely okay. And it's almost like approaching, it's almost like approaching like the hospital bed of like a sick and dying person. It's like, you're not going to go into a hospital bed or into a hospital and up to someone's bed that, you know, with someone who's dying of cancer and berate them because they're dying of cancer. Right. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, it, you know, it's like, we're all dealing with our own shit. And so to come to that level, like you were saying, that level of like, understanding and that compassion for other people and then truly the other side of the immense is like truly taking accountability for this is how 
I reacted in this situation. Like I judged you. I lied to you. You know, I was selfish in my intentions. You know, I was fearful in all these ways. Like, how can I make this situation better? And so it's really about in those amends, it's really about flipping it back and making it about like, I fucked up. How can I make this situation better, regardless of what you've done to me? Yeah, I get that. And I think another take on that that uh, I, I was sort of trained in mm-hmm. and was sort of adopted, and maybe this is slighting it a, a little bit, but it's that was who I was mm-hmm. under those circumstances. Yeah. This was also who you were, so... This is who I am today, and that's where I'm going. Do you want to come with? Right. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, that's okay too. I'm not going to stand here and tell you to fuck off. I'm just going to say I'm moving that way, and I'd love it if you'd come with me. Let's start afresh and let's go. Um, But it's not to negate what I've done, Mm -hmm. and it's also not to negate what they've done it's to say this is who we were in those times mm-hmm. in the world right. yeah. and in our lives and you were under stress and i was i didn't know mm-hmm. so i looked at the symptom i didn't know how uh to look at the cause mm-hmm. because i wasn't perceptively aware enough yeah uh to and trained i'm sorry um at 15 16 19 some people not at 30 or 35, right. to even step back, count to five, and look at somebody else other than your own circumstances. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and the, there's there's the challenge, too, of parenting, right? So, you know, you could all be like, oh, my parents ruined me and this and that. But, you know, what training do they have? Exactly. You know, yeah. so, so you got to have some grace with that, you know? So, like if you're mad at your parent or you you feel slighted, it's understandable, you know? And again, they're doing the best they can with what they do. Right. I think the real, the, the, the probably one of the tragedies of the whole thing is the innocent bystanders, you know, like sure. people who crossed your path, saw something in you and you just attacked or you run, you tried to destroy them like a cheerleader, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I've done that over and over. I mean, mm-hmm. I look at, you know, what I did to people and I feel really bad. Like, you know. Well, you know, the, and yeah, there, there's a lot so of. So you're still carry. So there's a little bit of shame you still carry. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And I was going to ask you this, and if you don't want to answer, I think it's perfectly fine. Yeah, go for it. So how is your relationship with people that you did that to? Like, you know, family, friends, do you have a healthy, like, relationship that you, or and have you ever run into any of these people that when you were at your worst, <laughs> they'd see you now and they're like, you know. So that, that goes... That goes two ways, and there's only two ways that I've experienced thus far. Um, I had an experience where I'll, I'll, I'll share a couple of experiences. So one of the experiences that I had was the sober living that I was at in North Carolina. Um, I was a menace to their program. You know, I was I was picking fights with all the clients. I was still get I was getting high. I was lying and cheating, and they were fed up with my stuff. 
And when I went through my program and I went back and I made amends to the, the owners and, and, you know, and really owned up to my stuff, they actually offered me a job at the, at the sober living that I had graduated from, which I ended up taking. And so I had this moment where they were so proud of me for taking radical ownership for my stuff they understood from such a deep level through their own stuff that they their own recovery program that they had gone through that they not only forgave me but they rewarded me for doing the work so that's one of the experiences that i've had um a lot of the people that i've come and talked to um are very very happy to have the conversation with me and a lot of them like especially family members break down in tears and they're like, this is all I ever wanted. Right. You know, and that's, and that's usually the experience that I've had. I have also had experiences with, um, with like therapists that I've lied to where I've had to go back and like, they weren't even aware that I was lying to them until I, I made the amends where, um, the relationship was completely done after that, where they wanted nothing to do with me. There are still people, um, that I've made amends to that still see me as this degenerate that would not, that every time they hear my name or, or they see my face or something like that, they, they just completely, it's in their perception that like I'm a worthless human being and like right. to each their own, that's fine with me. And so I've, I have definitely had both sides of the experiences. Yeah, that's, I think kind of universal, I guess the, to me, the sad part there is a the therapist. Yeah. Would, pull the plug because they should be aware that someone mm-hmm. that is in the throes of addiction and probably is full of shit most of the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. I would think, you know, yeah. to me, not to cast aspersions, but you know, that's, that's kind of frustrating. Like, and it might be frustrating for a listener. Like, well, why am I going to go see a therapist mm-hmm. if they're going to judge me? You know, and, yeah. and, 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 and it's human nature, right, to, to judge. So maybe it's, it's hard. But I would think to be a good therapist, you need to be objective, you know. And mm-hmm. it's a trust but verify thing, right? Yeah. Like, I, I've got a really good bullshit detector. Like, I'd be like, mm, oh, I don't believe yeah. you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's the, uh, you know, I don't know if you ever heard that ask why five times and you'll actually get to the, the source of, like, if someone's yeah. doing something, why did you do that? But, but, and by the fifth yeah. why, yeah. usually you get to the actual, yeah. the truth, right? The truth. So it, take, it takes peeling back the onion. Mm-hmm. You know, we did, I did that when we were working with the kids. And they'd be acting out. So I'd just do the five whys. Right. And it would frustrate them. But finally, you would get there. And you're like, okay, this is a believable answer. Yeah. You know, and that's, to me, like, I would think, and, I, you know, the therapist that I went to, you know, she asked probing questions. And I think she could smell, like, sometimes smell the bullshit I was Mm -hmm. trying to pile out there, trying to save face and not look like a total fuck-up. Yeah. But eventually, you know, I let the walls down, and I'm like, I don't care, Mm -hmm. you know? And and that's kind of how I feel on this whole podcast, you know? We've got feedback from some people, how open and refreshing it is that we're so, you know, able to talk this way and and tell our experiences. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to know because you know, like, yeah, it's gone both ways. Yeah, it definitely has. Yeah. Well, it's also mm-hmm. inherent going back to your point, Alan, that that we're going to lie to a therapist. 
<laughs> yeah, sorry. but there's, it's yeah. so, there's going to be a big yeah. cover a point mm-hmm. to the point to which everybody everybody's going to lie. Okay, let but me see, let I, me re, let me reframe that. Right, okay, let me reframe that. Mm-hmm. If we don't lie, then we're going to lie by omission. Yeah, perhaps. And we're just yeah. going to leave out a big chunk right. of everything that's important, which is the truth. So, and I'm going to dance around that. And I have smelt that a mile away mm-hmm. from from people that I have been around and worked with uh, in recovery. And I recognize it. And even if I don't call them out, I'm just going to continue to, you know, question other ways. But if I don't feel that I'm being effective and come alongside enough, then I'm going to let it go. And they're going to come to the Kyle point. They're mm-hmm. going to come to the point of where they are done running. It's part of their journey. Right. So and here's a follow-up, though. So And maybe this this is a delineation in that when you're kind of forced into therapy mm-hmm. versus voluntarily going to therapy. Correct. That, that the was same as big, recovery. Yeah, that was a big right. part of my story. Yeah, <laughs> yes. right. Yeah. So for me, having gone to a therapist, I went voluntarily. Like mm-hmm. I reached out, or my wife did, and said, we need to fix these communication issues we have. Let's talk to someone and we got a recommendation and it was great Mm -hmm. so but it took me years to agree to it because Mm -hmm. i'm like i don't need it i'm not crazy you're the one that's crazy (laughs) i'm perfectly normal you know and i've said this before anyone that thinks they're normal is more fucked up than the people who think they're fucked up yeah so uh yeah well having known all your wife all these years with you alan i know that you are fucked up She's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> let's sit here and psychoanalyze uh, Alan. Yeah, today. Yeah, let's, I'll let's tell her that she needs to listen to <laughs> yeah. 6.2. Yeah, yeah. No, 41 yeah. minutes. You know what? Now, Alan, let's talk about your childhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, now when it came to that point to where you signed up, um, willingly to go in was that right about the time that you were also because I remember your awakening was right about the time of mine right in my recovery and it was bizarre to me because I was working furiously every night huddled in my apartment and it was work uh, at the homeless clinic at that time and then it was AA and then it was um, uh, home and I didn't think that you were on that sort of journey, so, but you were. Yeah. Your well, own, in your own right. way. Now, I want to know, was that therapy call prior to that? Did yeah. It, did so, it preempt it or what? Um, it was probably a couple of years before that, maybe a year before. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because I, was, I wasn't up to maximum density yet, but, <laughs> you know, it was like, fix the most important thing, which was my marriage. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then, you know, you know, it became what's the next most important thing and blah, down the road. Um, so. Yeah. yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm anxious to hear your, I want to hear, hear both of yours. Uh, well, sure. I'm not done yeah. picking on you. Okay. Uh, All okay, right. No. <laughs> now, one last thing here that I got is you, you, we, everything on my list. <laughs> 
you're talking about maintenance right now. Yes. And I know you, and this, what's so good to hear about your whole entire stories, I've never heard it all the way Mm -hmm. through, even though I have worked alongside you for three years now. Yeah. In this recovery field. And Mm -hmm. which has just been awesome because the guy that I first met was this curious guy that is on the same journey as uh, a buddy of mine, you got to meet him. His name's Alan. Mm-hmm. And I would go yep. to work every day saying, you got to meet my buddy, Alan. I mean, he's, he's there taking freezing showers, you know, and doing all this whack stuff. And <laughs> he's into the sweat lodge. And, and so, we, you know, but you talked about maintenance at this point for you and what's really integral. You got, I got, I wrote down emotional regulation that you've learned skills little tricks i don't like calling them tricks i don't want to call them tricks they're tools tools yeah tools yeah okay emotional regulation holistic health nature just being connected reconnected to nature um and just all over things that bring you joy just joy not not pleasure i didn't say pleasure here yeah uh quick dopamine spike pleasure Mm -mm. no i said joy Mm mm-hmm um, and I, I, yeah, I think that that is something that's something that like I've, I, have i have used or I've accumulated these tools as I've been sober. And so like, as I, when I first got sober, my toolbox was damn near empty, you know, and my, you know, my biggest tool was to go get high or to binge eat or to, um, text a female or do something like that was my toolbox. And I think just along the way, you know, I found, I found out about self-care and for, you know, for, for any of the listeners, like you can go look up a, a, a list on Google of like self-care techniques that, you know, and it's, it can be simple, something like cooking yourself a good meal or taking a bubble bath or going on a walk or going and working at like, it's just something super simple just to, um, because like self-care techniques are a healthier coping skill than getting high. And so I picked up some of the self-care. I picked up some of the, through the therapy, I picked up some more intense coping skills on how to deal with like emotional triggers with trauma. And I've also picked up, um, you know, ways to be able to set boundaries and to be able to communicate better with others and to be able to advocate for my needs, which was one of the biggest things that I needed. But just along the way and through all of my experiences, I have... I have more tools in the toolbox and I'm at the point now, like in this maintenance phase, it's like, I just, all I have to do is just use what's in my toolbox and I will continue to maintain. Yeah. Right. And I think if you have a certain situation, you know, you know, well, this works better, at least for me, like if I have a craving or whatever, I'm like, well, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And even like if I get a food craving, now I know if I take a certain supplement, that'll just stop it. Or I just do a pinch of salt under my tongue, you know, so I have different tools in the toolbox. It's like, I'm not going to use a screwdriver where I need a hammer. Yeah, right. exactly. And, exactly. And so you've, you've, you're recognizing that it's still there. It's not going anywhere. It's just you've replaced the sensation of of what well, well you it, first uh, you have the awareness that, the, the awareness. that this is happening, right? Yes. And we had that whole thing that yeah, rain or whatever it was that we're going to have to yeah, we'll, address, you know, where you, we'll, where you recognize it, you acknowledge it. 
Um, you don't react, whichever the I was, and then yeah, I can't. We'll have to bring that up. I sent you a text about it. Mm-hmm. You sure did. So, um, so yeah. So now it's like, okay, this is happening. Why is this happening? Okay, it's happening. I acknowledge this is happening. I'm not gonna give it the energy mm-hmm. because the energy before would have been like, go to the fridge, eat half a pizza, or you know, call <laughs> yeah. the pizza place. The pizza would come. You'd eat like two slices, put it away. Like that's good. Within an hour, the whole thing's gone. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. Um, or yeah, you know, yeah. You know, what's what's wrong with having a shot with my beer this time? You know. Yeah. So you're not so willing to emotionally charge every freaking thought that comes along. Right. You know, you're just not willing to. Well, but I don't know way. if it's emotionally charged. At least in my case, it was numb. Like I want to numb that. I don't want. Well, that. yeah, yeah but that still came with a a a charge. Right. To me, yeah. Is to yeah. run and escape, and uh, anything uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and and we can we'll talk about that later. And I think Kyle, you did touch on that. You just you you had no idea what was coming at you. You're just going right for the quick the the trigger the the pulling the trigger right away yep but you talked about something that's really good in this holistic piece that's really cool and uh you started working out and i know you and i see each other at the gym all the time Mm -hmm. and there's gyms now there's all kinds of sober communities of uh, that that are that that bring that connection Oh, yeah. And if you don't know where to start, like I'm really into mountain biking or climbing or this or that, I, you know, in, in this whole front range area, we have one beautiful connector, uh, which is a gym, which is Phoenix Gym. Oh, yeah, yeah, Phoenix. And I Phoenix, was just trying to think about Phoenix, Phoenix Multisport. Multisport. Yep. And I went there when I f- was in early sobriety, mm-hmm. and, man, they just got their fingers in everything. So mm-hmm. these are the kind of communities of people that are just so supportive to get you out on a mountain bike if that's what you, if that's your bag, get you up on the side of a cliff if climbing is your thing, um, get you into the gym. If you don't know how, they'll teach you how to lift weights properly. It's just it's a community of, around mm-hmm. a support network, and, and that's a great way to build. And it is, and it is a much healthier option, too. Oh, God, and I think, yeah. and I think that that's like the whole, pre- the like the whole premise of uh, I know of Phoenix is is to create healthier opportunities. <laughs> yeah, basically. and and it more mm-hmm. than just just for the act of lifting a weight. It's yeah. to create the environment that's enticing yeah. to you to say, man, I want to go back for those people. Yeah. And that's the cool part. Now you're getting reconnected and you're staying curious. Yeah. 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 Did you got anything else? You know what? I man, that was such a good story. Yeah. You just left the thing so wide open with so much, and and uh, I know that down the road, uh, we're going to be coming back to more. And Alan, I look forward to a day, both of you guys, where where we're going to have all these names of all these references and people and things. Where you know the books and the titles and. We're going to be offering up all the links because we text back and forth a whole boatload yeah. <laughs> of of uh, data that that we need to get out too, and we need to share that as well. Yeah, yeah. So website coming soon. 
It'll be at thelightermind.com. We'll have links, show notes, uh, you know, stuff that we find interesting and helpful. Mm-hmm. And I think, uh, yeah, we're close to an hour on the on the addendum here, <laughs> yeah. so we could. Uh, yeah, we're getting Joe Rogan length between the two halves here. here. So let's. Uh, well, Kyle, thanks again, buddy. Yeah, so let's that wrap was, this one up. Yeah, do our gratitude. Yeah, we can do some do some gratitudes. I wanted to thank you guys very much for for being good listeners and um, sharing sharing my story was a vulnerable thing for me and. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope I hope my story was of use to someone to relate to my experience yeah well uh, there's plenty of people out there that mm-hmm. probably in the same boat definitely. So. definitely well let's do some gratitudes there fellas who wants to go i'll go so uh since our last meeting we uh the brown dog who would spend many a time on the floor i'm just gonna start crying oh, <laughs> oh. has uh shuffled off we had her for uh Almost 15, she was almost 16 years, so we had her. 16 years. We had her for, you know, we got her when she was real young. Um, Good friend. Uh, I want to, you know, we generally don't uh, reference places, but uh, the staff at Bijou Animal Hospital was great. Um, Very caring and compassionate. And the upside is... The staff at the Humane Society. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, all so, we're all so great. This thing's a, <laughs> this thing's a fire. Yeah, crack, yeah so part two is uh, we didn't plan on uh, getting another dog um, until springtime. My wife thought to never have another puppy, but we were both secretly looking on the internet and found the same guy. Uh, luckily he had parvovirus, um, which kills about 90% of puppies that get it. He survived it. We brought him home and, uh, neither of the other two seemed to get it, which is a blessing, you know, and, uh, he did bring home some kind of cold. So our previously most crazy dog, the one that came from Saudi Arabia, uh, sneezing a little bit, a little tired but they're actually right in, in here right now, chewing on each other's faces. So mm-hmm. there's cool. two of my gratitudes. Uh, and my third one is uh, I'm just glad to be alive and be able to share our stories and hope that uh, what we're doing can help someone else out there who's suffering, who's in pain. Um, yep, and there, there, <laughs> there's the puppy. There's the new one. She's a uh, very vo- he. Uh, we've had nothing but females for a few years, so it's uh, tough to call a he. So, but you know, hopefully, what we're doing reaches some people and and gives a little light of hope in uh, what can be a really dark, dark and uh, terrible feeling world. So Absolutely. there can be joy and love, yeah. peace, happiness, health for everyone. For um, sure. For sure. You know, so those are my three. Sorry, I got all weepy. You know, we always, oh, I good, used to, uh, I, you know, I said other than you get two cries in life, you know, <laughs> was always our thing. But uh, I've, as I've gotten older, I said, you get dogs don't count in that. And that two cries count. So, you know, so, um, so I still got a, two left. Yep. I haven't had any. It was, it was an odd, un, 
something I wasn't used to, some kind of moisture running down my face. <laughs> I have no idea what that was. That caught me off guard, Alan. Yeah, Jesus, you haven't dude. even. Oh, you're all You've right, been pretty man. stoic this whole time yeah, talking to me one on one, but you get in front of a, a audience yeah, here. Yeah, boy, no, it was uh, the day we put Milka down was uh, very tearful filled. But uh, again, the staff was awesome. Uh, I can't remember the veterinarian's name. She's a, a younger one there, and they just let us sit with her for as long as we needed to. What was the name of that place? Bijou Animal Hospital. Bijou, my, my, yeah. my mom started going there back yep. in the early 60s, and I've been going since uh, the uh, mid-90s. Okay. Uh, a lot of changes recently, um, but, you know, generally we don't like... Well, we'll be sending him a bill for our, for, <laughs> <laughs> for uh, pumping him up here. <laughs> no, they were they were great, um, and it was really it was it, for a terrible experience. It was very uh, um, not terrible. If that good. makes sense. Yeah. Yes. So, Absolutely. Good. Yeah. yeah. Good. Well, thank you so much, Alan. Thank you, sure. Alan. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Crow, what do you got there, bud? Hey, you know, first and foremost, I got to thank, uh, well, both of you guys, but I got to thank Kyle for your vulnerability. I mean, some of that, I was just, maybe it was the high school. I don't know, but I was just really visualizing a whole lot of that. And you had me really wrapped in and, and maybe the youth that we've worked with, uh, in the past. Um, yeah, you really pulled me in and I want to thank you for your vulnerability on sharing that. That's uh, that was awesome. Uh, so that's great. You are gratitude number one, my friend. Number two is definitely going going to be uh, that I've been going to the gym. Mm-hmm. Kyle, I run into you. I'm starting to actually. I took your advice. I just keep going, and don't wimp out and stop early. You know, like a couple weeks in or something. You got to push through, and I'm pushing through, and now I'm actually really feeling the gains. You know. I'm feeling more strength, and mm-hmm. so it's really, I guess it's working. I don't know. I'm not swole yet or anything, but... <laughs> You'll get there. Steroids. <laughs> <laughs> I've yeah. got a connection. Yeah. I know a guy. I know a guy who know knows a guy. guy. He's got a friend in They town. might come from Mexico, and they might be for horses, but <laughs> yeah. they'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, my third is that I, I, you know, I'm on vacation this week. Yeah. It's the, been the first vacation time that I've spent away from, from my job in two years. And uh, I, I love my job. I just haven't really needed to break away. But I guess I have because it's, it's been a real educational, it's been a learning experience because I'm sitting with myself and I don't normally do that. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Alan about it earlier today. It's, it's sending me into some uh, crow time. <laughs> and and uh, it's not always uh, go time. Mm-hmm. So, you know what I'm saying? So, Which is good for me. Mm-hmm. Really good for me without the distractions. So this has been a really good experience. And, uh, yeah, that's my, that's my three. I'm sticking awesome. to them. Cool. Kyle, what do you have? Oh, buddy. So I would say that... I am grateful today for the opportunity to share my experience. Um, I, I had a lot of close calls. I had a close calls. There's a lot of close calls I didn't speak of. 
um, with overdoses and all other kinds of stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that I have the opportunity to be given a second chance to be able to sit in this room today um, with two of my buddies and to be able to share my experience. Um, Give this back. Yeah, I'm incredibly, I'm, I'm grateful to be alive today. Let's, let's just wrap it at that. Um, I'm grateful for, I'm grateful for the place that my relationship with my fiance is going. Um, we're, we're at a place where we're, we're really starting to dig into some vulnerability and we're really kind of starting to challenge each other. Um, you know, communication wise and boundary wise and assertiveness wise. And we're, we're kind of arriving at a place where we're, we don't really know what the hell we're doing most of the time, but we're figuring it out as a couple. And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for, for my relationship with her. And I'm also today, I'm also incredibly grateful for my physical health. Um, I think that I'm, I'm kind of getting to the point where I'm arriving at like the most physically in shape that I've ever been. And, um, it's, it's increased like my self-confidence, uh, my, my sleep, my overall energy levels. And it's, it, I, I think just being, just going to the gym and just doing something is, um, it's, it's a valuable coping skill too, to be able to kind of work through some of the somatic stuff that I have going on through my trauma. And it's, um, I'm, I'm very happy with where I'm at, um, physically today. I'm very grateful for my physical health too. Thank you, Kyle. Mm -hmm. You know, all three of those just sound like healthy. There's a name for all of those. Yeah. Healthy. Like yeah. the relationship. It sucks to get there, though, man. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's definitely, when you lay it out like that, it's like, no, man, it's, it's, um, it was a bitch and a half to get there. <laughs> yeah. It was a lot of tears, a lot of struggle, a lot of suffering, but, um, Fuck, I'm finally healthy, man. Yeah. That's crazy. That's it's crazy great. to think about. I'm finally healthy. Yeah. Well, thank God you're giving it back, too. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Alan, for... Yeah, thank you guys so much. Master of the dial over there, bro. Yep. Yeah. And right. um, so for everyone who's listening, we are, we are in the process of uh, getting some clinical psychologists in here so that we can piece apart some trauma and some, you know, all kinds of stuff under the sun. So hopefully over the next few weeks, we're going to be sharing Alan and Crow's story. And uh, in the middle of those, hopefully we can get some guests in to uh, shed some insight into some psychology. So that would be... They're yeah. going to be scared. Yeah, uh, probably. You know, we're pretty intimidating. So. Well, there's <laughs> three of us hammering <laughs> questions at them, so this yeah, will be good. We're gonna this try, will be a good yeah. episode. I think it'll be it'll be a good time. But thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode. This was the follow-up to my story. And um, thank you, both of you guys, for allowing me to do that today. Um, so yes. catch you on the next All episode right. there. Thanks, Sounds everyone. great. All right, who's got the bowl? Kyle, pass me the bowl.